Hello and welcome to another episode of the T-Care podcast. I'm super excited to bring you this episode today. We're focusing on Black History Month, as we are in Black History Month, of course. And we've got a great guest who's going to be able to share their insights and their experience of being in the workplace during Black History Month, some of their personal experiences, not just from being within the UK, but also from being within the US. And we're going to talk a little bit about allyship as well. But yeah, it, it's going to be so great. Really enjoyed recording this. Me and Jill had a great conversation with her. Really wanted to get her onto another one. And um, yeah, just really enjoy this because it's it, it's going to be a special one. So I'm going to say the normal line, which is wherever you are, grab a pen and a notepad and please enjoy the T-Care podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the T-Care podcast. I am one of your hosts, Alex, and today I am joined by Jeremy Sutton. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Hi, Alex. I'm great, thanks. How are you? Yes, I'm good. I'm very, very good, actually. Um, so, because today we've got a special episode, which is going to be around Black History Month. So, happy Black yeah. History Month to those who are listening um, to the episode around that time. To those who are not, and this may be a later date for you, I'm really, really happy that you've decided to spend the time to listen to this. And there's going to be bits in here that is not only just about Black History Month, but we're also going to go beyond that as well. Um, yeah. Today, I'm actually going to let Jeremy um, introduce our new our person who's going to be on the episode today, because she comes from Microsoft as well. Yeah, so as you say, really exciting to have almost a special feature, I guess, around Black History Month. And, you know, I think we've discussed this before, haven't we, Alex? Like, we know it's a moment in time. For those who don't know, it lasts from the 1st of October to the, the 31st of October. I do know my days in a month. Um, <laughs> But I guess from a team care perspective, one of the things we've spoken about is like, do people know what it is? Like, this moment in time, it's a whole month, but what does that mean? And why do we have it to begin with? And, you know, where did it even come from? So I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit more today myself and also hopefully give some of our lead, um, listeners a bit of an insight into how, hey, what it is, what they can do, and if they want to put their colleagues or their friends or whatever it might be. And, um, yeah, to help us do that is an amazing person. And I'll, I'll let her introduce herself in a moment. But it's a privilege for me to have her on the podcast and us at T-Care because she's a colleague today. But she's actually a former colleague from VMware. And for those of us that are familiar with ERGs and employer resource groups, she did it at VMware. And she was the one who introduced me to the world of ERGs. So I kind of feel like it's a bit full circle now of getting her to support us on something where we're collectively at a different company. And, uh, and yeah, she's really passionate about this. So I think she's going to be a brilliant person for us to interview. So with that, Michaela, please uh, tell us a bit about Ooh. yourself and welcome to the podcast. Sure. That, you know, now you've given me really big boots to fill and you hype <laughs> me up. So I hope I am not disappointing everybody. Happy, <laughs> Happy Black History Month, everyone. I'm Michaela McCollin and I am a principal customer success account manager or CSAM. That's a lot to say. Um, based in Liverpool and newly working for Microsoft. So I did work with Jell previously. The first thing most of you are thinking of is here comes this American girl to tell us all about Black History Month and what does she know? So despite having an American accent, I was actually born in Liverpool. I was born in Toxteth, 
Um, I was raised in Barbados and I was raised in the U.S. And I've been back home in Liverpool for the last 10 years now. So um, please don't feel like an outsider is coming in to try and <laughs> try and teach you something because that's not the case. And I think that I'm super passionate and happy to be on here because, as Jill said, this is a topic that's really close to my heart. If I could do this full time, I would. Um, and not just, you know, DE&I as it relates to the Black community. I, I like to look at all intersections as it relates to women. Are we looking at accessibility? You know, are we considering our Asian colleagues, our Chinese colleagues? Like, I, I like, I, it's, all of it is, is are things I enjoy. Yeah. And, I mean, you say, like, I give you an intro with big boots to fill. I actually think for anyone listening, even when you just talk about your background, your experience, your insights, you do that quite well yourself, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. But, uh, but look, I mean, so shall we shall we start then? I mean, obviously you've got a really eclectic background and upbringing, and you look you've seen, I guess, Black History Month all over the world, right? And how it kind of how it pans out. Um, let's start from 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 the basics then, I guess. I mean, Black History Month. What what does it mean to you? So Black History Month, it, it means a lot to me. And I guess I need to give some background in terms of how I've come to be so passionate. So I come from a mixed heritage family in that my mother is half Nigerian, half English. My father's from Barbados. And then my cousins are, you know, Latinx, Chinese, white, you name it. So within our family, we've always had a focus on the various cultures that comprise our family. Growing up in the U.S., I didn't realize how much of a privilege it was to, to have access to Black History Month, but also to see that history in textbooks and to be presented to me as a, as a child um, in other forms. So, you know, I came back to the U.K. with kind of that in my mind and also having lived in countries like Barbados or in South Africa where there isn't a Black History Month because every day is Black history in future. Yeah. So come back to, you know, the UK and get involved in all of these activities around Black History and Black History Month. And it's really uplifted me. But, you know, we really need to look and think about how Black history started in, in the UK. It's it's fairly early. It's you know, it started in 1987. In the 80s, for those of you who are old enough to remember, um, there were a number of riots all around the country, um, and black the black voices started to be heard a little bit more. They started to become a bit more confident in articulating themselves and the challenges that they'd been seeing. Um, so, with all of that said, for me, Black History Month is my personal history month. And I know it feels like that for a lot of people who identify in the same way. That's, that's interesting the way you just sort of coined it there when you said it's your personal history. What, what got you to that point? Because I think a lot of people, um, even looking at my background, I don't specifically go Black History Month is personal to me. I kind of make it a platform for different races that are under that term of being black. How, how can you define it being personal? What is, what is it that you do? Sure. So one, it's personal for me because it explores all of, generally we're looking back, right? It's Black History Month rather than the future. We're looking back at the significant contributions of black people 
to the UK, to the world. Um, we're also, you know, we also during this time tend to go back. I, I always go back to the Toxtiff riots, right? So there's a the famous image in the Toxtiff riots of police in riot gear, and they're in front of an estate. And I was in that estate with most of my family oh, looking wow. out at this riot. So we're in ground wow. zero. So it feels very much personal to me. Now, to your point, yes, I do think that, Alex, you know, it's also about bringing people along for parts of that journey, the parts that you're comfortable with and that you have an affinity towards, if that makes sense. So like bringing in allies yeah. and also trying to relate this to other parts of other people's history. Um, yeah. If I look at, let's say, Southeast Asian, for example, in the Caribbean, there are lots of Southeast Asian, um, there are large Southeast Asian populations that have contributed significantly to the culture. Um, and they have, they've merged with, you know, traditionally black cultures. And all of that has come back to the UK and can be found in different meals. Like, you know, if you get a roti from a Trinidadian place, that wasn't all black culture because curry went to the West Indies from via Southeast Asian um, indentured laborers. Mm. And I mean, in that, by the way, like, how does it feel, like, having looked out your windows at those riots? Like, I'm hoping that in the time since, I'm not going to ask you about age, Michaela, don't worry. But <laughs> That's fine. It feels that things have moved on somewhat. But, I mean, does it? <laughs> In one regard, yes, right? So I think I was talking to a couple of people over the weekend where at least we're saying black, where I think people have felt so uncomfortable to even say the word black. Um, I think the fact that we can use that word or descriptions of our colleagues as white or by their ethnicities and not yeah. feel like that's an insult um, or a bad word that we need to censor ourselves on. So we've, we've, moved, we've moved the needle in terms of conversation but I think um, the theme this year is around action for Black History Month. From an yeah. action perspective, I don't think we're there. Um, if I look at communities like Toxtiff, where they are right now, pockets of Toxtiff are actually worse off than they were in the 80s um, from yeah. an economic perspective and career perspective. Wow. And, and, you know, and I think it's so right what you say around how we even talk about racism and colour and labels and we've spoken in previous podcasts haven't we Alex about that fear and a lot of it for our allies in particular it's how do you remove the not knowing or the getting things wrong that actually you're not going to be labelled X right and that's that's what we're trying to distill actually with things like this so that curiosity and having the right intentions and it's okay to say some of those things I think you're right there that that is moving forward but clearly more action is needed and you know it's great to hear some of, some of your perspective there I guess Going back to what you were saying then about kind of when you lived in Barbados and kind of having all of those different mix of communities coming together. I mean, how do you, because a lot of people would have heard of Black History Month in, in the US, and so you lived in the US and, and clearly you're living here. Like, how do you see some of the differences, I guess, between Black History Month in particular in the US versus in the UK? Oh, that, that, there's, so there's massive differences, right? And also having to recognize that there are a few decades ahead in comparison to the UK, but at least yeah. we have Black History Month is, is the first thing to think about. But, you know, in the US, there is a great deal of immersion in Black History Month. So 
and, and it's, you know, focusing on historical figures. So I learned about George Washington Carver. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he came up with 300 uses for the peanuts. And that included wow. shampoo, medication, all these different uses. So I learned That's about amazing. him. I learned about um, one of my other black historical figures, Dr. Charles Drew, who actually came up with a lot of the technology around blood transfusions in the U.S. Um, and then he ironically died because he was refused a blood transfusion um, in an all-white hospital in the U.S., knowing that that was part of his technology. So you learn a lot about very significant figures that might not go outside of the U.S., but along with that, you're learning uh, the intricacies of the Atlantic slave trade, which is, mm. you know, where all of that is, a re you know, is, is what Black History Month is resulting from. And they don't, they did not shy away from telling children things, you know, about, about the atrocities of the Atlantic slave trade, about, you know, um, hangings, lynchings, etc. And I don't, I, I do feel like there is some discomfort in the UK to talk about that. But if we boil it down, well, let's think about it. The British Empire is the reason that the Atlantic slave trade existed. It is the reason that Black people are in the Caribbean. It is the reason that Black people are in the US. And there needs to be conversation around that. Coming from Liverpool, I never heard from a lot of my my English family about Liverpool's significance in the Atlantic mm -hmm. slave trade and that triangle. But Liverpool was a significant part of the story of Black History Month. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people talk about how much how many slaves came through Liverpool and then continued the journey on across the Atlantic. So I think the difference, and I'm sorry, I hope I'm not waffling, um, no, I, but I, I think the difference really, it comes down to the level of immersion mm. um, and, and the expected outcomes of the end of Black History Month in the U.S. compared to here. Yeah, yeah I, I, really, I really do agree with, with what you've been saying because I think about what I've learned from being a small child up into my adult age now and the amount that they give to you in schools or whatever, or in businesses and whether they're doing the Black History Month or not, because in most cases, a lot of them um, that I've been to um, haven't really had something set up, maybe like a day or something like that. And it's quite hard for me to go and say, I know about this amazing doctor or I know about this amazing writer and this is how he made his mark on history. Um, and it seems like that's the big difference between the US and, and the UK. Um, I'm, I'm thinking what, what do you think we could do better, the, the, the UK that is, in order to try and get those stories um, into individuals? And I, I guess more specifically, thinking about our listeners, how can they do that on a day-to-day -day business basis sorry whether they're speaking to their child or to a peer or even to a senior leader yeah so i think you know that's that's one that's a really great observation um i know stories of black britain because i have black british family in liverpool who are obsessed with history so these things were handed down to me and not necessarily shown to me in a book or on a platform and i think a lot of these stories are out there right um they're yeah. with they're they're so i'm going to do a shameless microsoft plug here and say you know you've got bing 
where you can go and easily get resources that tell you about the Black experience within the UK and tie it back to other ethnic minorities in the country. Um, obviously, there's the Black History Month website, but there's another experience and platform right now that is not getting the it's not getting the um, the press and the publicity that I think it should be getting. But it's called the World Reimagined. I don't know if you all have been around London or around other parts of the UK this summer and seen these ver these these globes with pictures on them. They don't always have pictures of people, but it is um, an immersive education experience that is available to everybody in the UK, both physically as well as online. And mm. these globes represent the transatlantic slave experience. They represent black British music and how it has evolved from African music and all of these things. And I think one is understand what the resources are, but two, we live in an age where information is seconds or less than seconds away from you. And if you're interested in understanding somebody's experience or Black History Month, just in general, make use of, of Bing, mm -hmm. make use of some of the resources that we're talking about today on this call. Yeah, and I, I do think you're, you know, the point around celebration um, is really important because that's what those resources can help us do as well, right? It's, I don't think it's good enough personally for us just to be talking about slave trade and the role that the UK has had in that because we also don't want the connotations around anybody from any ethnicity towards be the negatives, which actually, whilst we're talking more, why do we always want to put the down on it, right? We want to talk about the brilliant innovations and contributions that people have had as well. and. What I do think we're seeing a slight step change in it. It takes years, but my day job is to support the education sector. So I kind of work with kind of governments around their strategies with tech. And that's across the UK role. And if you look at some of the things that we're trying to do in Wales, we're trying to do in Scotland, they're actively engaging now in these conversations around how they can change the curriculum. Because fundamentally, it's either going to be a pet project for a teacher or you embed it in the core learning. And that's when it goes to the masses. And that's some of the systemic mass change I personally think we need to see so that it becomes baseline what we're learning alongside you know any other kind of history or what it might be in the classroom and and yeah alongside key figures you know you talk about kind of the chap in America I want to see Marcus Rashford in there I want to see him yes. 10 years in some of our history books talking about the contributions he made as a guy from a working class background in Manchester like these are relatable figures who are doing great things today. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my rant on it because it's such a passion for young people. They're moldable by what we put in front of them, right? So let's put the right things in front of them. But yeah. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, when you, so like I was saying in the US, you know, I had textbooks that I could refer back to, right? So that yeah. was really simple. And obviously you go and engage with your parents and your parents learn from you and your parents pour into you. So I do think the curriculum textbooks need to change. But I think, you know, the point of, of Black History Month in the UK or even in the US is Black history is British history. It is not separate. It is intertwined. And it's not just black history that's part of that journey. There's this discussion about, you know, how the British Empire impacted India, how they impacted China and all of these other regions. And those things seem to be sanitized and separated as if somehow the UK had no involvement in the impact. And I do think that we can also still look at some of this stuff positively, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, 
the ingenuity that had to come out of the slave trade or or generations afterwards out of these um, ethnic minority communities is absolutely you know amazing the determination the grit these are all really positive stories that come out you know post slave trade going into Windrush um, some hundred years later or so yeah so yeah I couldn't agree more um, Michaela and I, I guess talking about some of the positives I guess of the history yes. but also where we're at things have moved on but I think you make a good point that it's fairly embryonic in terms of black history being a topic of conversation across the UK but I feel like we are seeing a slight shift change in the acceptance of even having a conversation when we look across T-Care and all the member organisations obviously we've made a commitment to improving racial equality in the tech sector but we've all got different activities going on we're all doing it across organisation not just kind of with those that are invested in ARGs and I guess what, what are some of the great things that you're seeing out there in the just, I guess, across the EFA or at Microsoft that, that people can engage with, and actually, that can help them if they're hearing you going, actually, fair play, I want to know a bit more. Like, what's some of the great ideas you've seen? Sure. So there's actually a group in the CSAM community or customer success community called IDEA, um, and that's around inclusive uh, inclusion, diversity, equity, and action. More imp- most importantly is action and really bringing people in, sharing resources with them, but also trying to get people to engage um, off of their own backs and say, okay, well, I'm going to take this initiative. I'm not a member of the community, but I'm going to take this initiative, join, and I'm going to share some of my ideas. And then I'm going to take these ideas that we've discussed and start to cross pollinate with other groups and uh, with members of leadership. So really crowd crowdsourcing, for lack of a better term, um, the, the ideas and some programs that you can put in place around idea. Um, so that, that, that one really, 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 I, I absolutely love that we're doing that. But out, out of that also comes mentorship and, you know, some allies holding their hands up to support people in the company or in the community to give them advice, you know, to help them advance their career. So those are those are things that I'm seeing, at least in Microsoft, that really warm my heart. Um, you, you mentioned there about... Um allies and first and foremost i think that's a great initiative as well and the fact that someone can put an eye there and share that with the community and sort of make that idea into something that's even greater than what they might have originally thought i think that's i think that's really good um i I wanted to ask about allies and kind of move on to that area because i wanted to know if there was an ally or someone who mentored you or someone who championed you in the past and, and really helped you be the person you are today with regards to not just work, but also all of the work that you're doing outside of it for, for black history, not just black history. Mom. Yeah. Awesome. I love that you said just for black history, not just the month. Um, so you're winning brownie points with me, but <laughs> so, so my, my journey into tech wasn't a traditional one. It wasn't something I went to uni and decided to do. I just happened to be doing a temp job in the U.S. and somebody saw that my skill set, you know, that I was super professional and they thought that they could train me to do program management um, and testing. So I fell into I fell into the industry that way. And when I started working um, in my early 20s at Accenture, I was actually benefited. I benefited from having several mentors. But and this is really unusual. They were all senior black women. 
And you don't usually mm. see that in tech. So, so wow. I benefited early in my career from having them as my mentors. But when I moved back to the UK, it was like, okay, this is very different. You know, cultures yeah. are different and work culture is also different. And for a while, I kind of, I kind of struggled on my own on just a little island, not really asking for help or knowing how to articulate how to navigate the different cultures corporate culture in the UK and Europe. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, took it on my own back and did research. Then I started getting people who are interested in mentoring me and understanding, you know, the wider community and how they can support. So I'd say one of my more positive interactions was with a manager from VMware who's based in Germany. And I loved that because he was the total opposite of me. He's a white man in Germany. English is not his first language. So he can give me some insight and perspectives. So that relationship from a mentorship perspective really gave, it opened my eyes in terms of maybe adjusting my communication style so that I, I can relate. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, So he, you know, that was that was a powerful relationship for me. And I think that I've benefited from being able to engage with others. So that was one. And then I I did have um, a bit of an allyship mentorship program with a senior leader. And for the most part, it was very positive. I was able to share stories, um, very specific stories and personal stories about myself and my family and the adversities that we'd faced and how that could potentially present in other black and ethnic minorities within the workplace. And this person um, who was also a white male, actually, you know, he, I, I started seeing small adjustments that he was making and how he was engaging with people. So that was absolutely brilliant. But if we look at the word ally, right, that indicates somebody who is going to partner with you in shared success, right? And, you know, sometimes I, when I think of allyship, I always think of it's a person who's going to bring you along, right? They're, they're going to learn about, they're going to learn about your experience, learn about your community's experience and help you to bring you along in a way. So I do look at it as a, as a a type of sponsorship allyship. Unfortunately, I ran into some challenges and all of a sudden, you know, this person is being non-communicative and I've, you know, I'm not hearing from them anymore. And it made me, it made me kind of retract from engaging in some of those relationships because I felt that I'd been quite vulnerable. Um, and the, the positives, the, the net positives were really on his side rather than mine. So, So, yeah. And I mean, thank you for sharing that. I mean, those, any, I think any story about allyship and mentorship is quite personal, right? Because you, you don't invest in these relationships lightly, as you, you just explained there. And we spoke about allyship a lot, but I guess that's one of the things we haven't explored, which is what happens if you're an ally, but you're not a good ally, you know, and what the impact that is. Because I think we could all talk between me, you and Alex, like about positive allyship experience and how included, supported, heard it makes you feel. Yeah, you never spoken about the opposite when actually someone wants to be an ally, but do they? You know, and are they committed to go in the process? And I think that's yeah. a really full, important thing to pick up on because there might be people here who are thinking, I want to do more. But I mean, are there levels to it, do we think, then, in terms of something for us to discuss? I don't have an answer to this, but you know, 
someone who passively wants to do more, someone who proactively wants to do more. So I'd say to your experience, Michaela, if you're going to go as far as to say, I'll be a mentor and an ally, and I'm going to sit down and hear you with your personal experiences, I'm going to, with my impact and ability as a senior leader, do something about that. That is, a, you know, you, you have got to mean what you say there, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, from that perspective, I do agree. And it's only probably just dawned on me while you were saying this, like there, there are levels to this. Can't expect somebody who hasn't engaged in our community to then just go full throttle onto 100 and and be the best, you know, ally, sponsor, or even men- mentor um, yeah. in situations. And so there does need to be, you know, an understanding and an ally, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes a difficult position to be in because yeah. you're coming in as essentially an outsider and you're looking for some knowledge, but you also don't want to say and do the wrong things. And so mm. I have a lot of, you know, I have want to have a lot of time for people who sign up, who want to be allies, who indicate this. This is no real sign up sheet for, for allyship, right? It's, it's yeah. just, you know, you really on your initiative wanting to get to get involved in this. But I do, it's a complex topic Mm -hmm. and it can sometimes be viewed subjectively by the ally or by the person or people who are trying to help the ally. Yeah. So no pressure to our allies then listening here. But but do you know what? I always think if someone can get out of this, actually, that being an ally does require a commitment and investment of your time and your effort and your energy. I think that's a good thing because you don't want... You can't play at this, right? It's not a game. These are our lives and people's feelings, their progression. And, and yeah, I guess if, I, if I'd probably be thinking, like, bloody hell, if there's, if it's hard and I want to do something, like, what, I mean, this is both, but you, but Michaela, as well as Alex, like, what are we thinking most steps? Step one is, like, this is your first foray into doing better and being better. What would you say those, those baby steps are? I, I was, for me, um, I think education is the most important thing. That's got to be the first thing that you try and look at. I mean, obviously before that, take the leap to say, this is what I want to do. But I think a lot of just people in general, um, and this isn't probably a conversation just about the being black. It's, a mag- it's about all the different hues of the world, right? Um, we don't have that level of education to understand their culture or understand their history or understand why they speak a certain way, act a certain way, what what's influenced them and things like that. So I think the key thing, if you're going to be an ally for a particular race or gender or whatever it may be, you need to really spend time understanding and learning. And sometimes that's not just spending time reading a book or going online and reading a bunch of articles and a bunch of stories and getting a huge amount of left-sided information and ignoring the right, right? Um, you've, you've got to speak to the people in those communities. And if people at your work are lucky enough to have you to speak to and say, you know what, this is this and this is that, and they're willing to be quite open, I think that's where that's the first step in trying to help. Because really, listening is, is probably the most important part of being in a life. If you're a good listener and you're someone who can really understand what's being said to you and not judge it and, and not have any stereotypes attached to it, then you, you've really taken that first step and you're probably on the fifth step without you really knowing. But I'm, I'm keen, Michaela, to hear, hear what your side of the story is. But I guess that, that would be the first step for me. 
Yeah, I love that, Alex. Um, and, and I love that you've included intersectionality because intersectionality is like, to me, that is the crux of DE&I. And, and I have, Taylor, sorry. Sorry, for somebody who doesn't know, what, what sure. is intersectionality? Sure. So I'll start by describing myself. I'm a black woman with disabilities. So I'm at the intersection of, you know, black race. Then there's also gender issues that come into play. And then, you know, there's there's discussion around disability and inclusion from that perspective. So the theory around um, intersectionality is that you should be meeting someone sometimes on an individual basis because people aren't just black. I can't take off my skin um, and then just have you focus on the fact that I'm a woman, right? It all comes as part of one package. And when you're just talking about allyship, I think intersectionality is extremely important. And the reason for that is I always say, right, I can't expect an ally to be an ally without me being an ally to somebody else or to another community, right? I, I am black. I do come from a community that is underserved. I do come from a community that has, you know, historically been treated inequitably, but I need to understand, you know, what the LGBTQ plus experience is and how I can support them. There are some shared challenges, but there are also some unique ones. So I, I do think that it is, it's more than a two-way street, right? It's like a magic roundabout where people getting on, coming off, getting on, coming off, but we're all sharing that same circle in the middle. So that, that part is really important to me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Sorry to interrupt you, which I thought was a really important no. to pick up on because, yeah, some of these terms are right, new to some people and, you know, not new to others. But sorry, so back to your points then around kind of following up on Alex, Alex's points around yeah. step one, allyship, where do you go from there? Yeah, I think it actually, you know, I, to me, I think it starts with interest, right? An ally is just... A, a genuine ally is not coming along to virtue signal because they're going to be found out at some point, right? And it does, it, it requires interest, it requires engagement. And by engagement, right, I also mean, are you going to come to my family's cookout? Are you going to eat some jollof rice and some fish cakes and all the other food that we're eating? Because I want you to come in and enjoy the whole experience and get an appreciation for that and listen to the music we're listening to. You don't have to like it, um, you know, but just to understand physically um, and vis viscerally, I think that's the word, um, how mm -hmm. it feels, right? Another part of that could be, are you going to come along with me to Toxtiff? Are you going to come to the Caribbean Community Center there and engage with some of the people in the neighborhood? One, you're helping just by being there in a volunteer capacity, but also you're seeing firsthand what some of the challenges are without me having to tell you what my personal history is. And I, and I think that, I think for a lot of allies or people who are sort of embarking on the journey, I think that's a big, it's a big fear, right? To be, to walk into that community and sometimes they might have this feeling that they're going to be judged when they are coming to a cookout or maybe um, they're, being, they're trying fufu and then really not sure what to do. Do I use knife and fork or whatever it may be because that's how they've been taught in their community. Um, and just just from personal experiences and the people around me, I, I can understand how difficult that is. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering, I mean, do we... I mean, I'd say it's how a lot of black people have felt in their times, whether it's walking into a room at work and not knowing True. 
walking through these exactly. different scenarios. Like I would, I'd encourage allies to think, oh gosh, I do feel scared about that. Or think about that being your everyday lived experience, right? And just yeah. take one day to be that, being that girl. ally that can, re- what's the word? Understand. I don't know why I forgot the word understand. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Sorry, Alex, actually, I just really wanted to point that out because that's that's a real lived experience for many people. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And, and just to add to that, change change is uncomfortable. I think that's always a key thing, and that's that's just with everything. Any new skill that you're learning or that you've picked up a guitar and you want to play this rift for your girlfriend or partner or whoever, like that's going to be hard, right? Because you've not done it before. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the key things. And the other aspect is time. They've got to understand that they might have to take time from doing something comfortable to them to go and do something that's not comfortable. I always think that's a bigger thing than anything else, right? We have such a busy life. I mean, before the call started, I was saying, look, there's so much going on right now. Um, I feel like I'm rushing between meetings and, and stuff like that, but I've blocked Ditto. everything out. I've got no noise, there's no emails. Everyone who works with me knows that this is my sole focus for right now. And I think allies also need to do that as well because they don't realize that when they do that and they are saying to a senior leader that, you know what, like, for example, at Software One, we have a harmony day that we give to employees so that they can go out and work in their community. Um, they go and say to the manager, I'm using my harmony day to go and do this. So I'm not going to be able to focus on what it is that you want me to do. Or even saying to peers that I'm fo- doing my harmony day and it's focusing around black culture, for example, and black charities and black communities. Once one person is it's seeing that being done and they're part of that community, it might all of a sudden spread and then you've, you've got this whole yeah. community who are all doing the same thing. So it's, it really is that lead by example approach. Absolutely. I'm going to say, I'm saying absolutely a lot, but I love the conversation. <laughs> I'd, and you touched on so many things there, but I think, you know, one awesome on having the, the harmony day, but I think having days like, uh, like harmony days, or you can go out and volunteer and doing it within these communities, right. Is also sending a signal that this, this is being taken seriously and, and being treated with yeah. the same gravity that some other issues are such as physical safety in the workplace, because a lot of this also ties back into mental health and well-being. You want people to feel psychologically safe um, in terms of the communities that you may be targeting for. um, And I've just now forgotten a word, Jill, but (laughs) recruitment. Yeah. If you're targeting commitment for communities for recruitment, right. I'm not, you know, I I'm going to fiercely protect people and talk stuff to make sure that employee potential employees or employers coming in, understand this community. So that they're bringing people into a psychologically safe workplace with people who understand them and can relate to them. Yeah. And all of that kind of that, leadership you know you can sharpen up a conversation and make a statement right end day of the week but actually I think it's your ongoing commitment and it's the small things that show you actually are making a difference and even having it on a harmony day which I also think is amazing Alex shows that actually you can spend time to different causes wherever they might be is a great thing but hearing different people say oh I'm doing this one for for black history or oh, I'm doing this one around disability it's that trickle effect isn't it of like slowly slowly catch a monkey almost of 
it goes on. Everyone's talking about it. These are important causes. So it goes far beyond a statement around, yeah, we like diversity and inclusion by seeing it happen over the course of six months, a year, and hopefully for, for forever. So I think that's really important that companies are doing that. And I'm, you know, really here to see software by now. We know that Microsoft are as well, Makeda. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. But I'm thinking that, you know, the conversation around Black History Month and Black History I think is really important and hearing about what it's meant to you and your experiences everywhere has been it's really interesting right because you've got an eclectic background but actually most people do you know and whichever way that might be so I'm sure people have loved hearing about that but I guess what, what final thoughts have you got around allies who are listening and if this is might they be their first Black History Month they've ever engaged with the first bit of content and want to do a bit better I guess, what lasting message would you want to leave with them if they wanted to leave this podcast and either do something or just even research something, just be a little bit better and learn a bit more? Sure. I, I think, you know, to summarize a lot of the conversation we've had is you have to, it has to start with a genuine interest. The people you're engaging with will know if you're not interested. It's definitely not a tick box exercise. It is a, it is an immersive experience and it requires, it requires you to also exercise empathy, knowing that you may build your empathy muscle by getting involved or being an ally, right? You know, you use the example before, Jill, where, you know, Alex was talking and saying, you know, people come into the cookout, like, the, you know, no one's going to stop playing the record when you walk in. You may feel uncomfortable, but the people around you want to embrace you. And I, you know, to share one of the, the ex my experiences briefly is my first day at VMware, I walked into the office and I was the only black or mixed race person in the office. And I felt so scared. I, I felt like I wasn't safe. So you may experience some of that when you're you know, starting on your allyship journey, do not let that dissuade you. Continue and push forward. Be comfortable in being uncomfortable. And I stole that quote from one of my uh, Microsoft colleagues, but be, comf be comfortable in your discomfort and recognize that there's an end game in place. So you may be talking to one or two people, but there, you know, there's a strategic view on this. And this is for the betterment, not just of, of, black people and mixed race people, but it's for all of all communities within Britain. If we understand more about each other, then we can move forward together. Love it. It it I mean so much that you've said there that we're like, oh my God, we'd love to we'd love to pick up on that that was incredible. <laughs> it's a lovely place to be, right? Moving thinking about how we can move forward together, do that with empathy and care and sincerity. Um exactly. I would um I would say that now feels like a perfect time to end the podcast because otherwise we're going to be sitting here for another three hours thinking about loads of things that all of us enjoy but that make eight podcasts and not one. But you may very well be the first person that we invite back as our next guest. Oh, wow. Yeah. There are so many things that we want to unpack there. I know that Alex and I would, would love to interrogate you just that little bit further. So, yeah, I apologize yeah. in advance, but sorry. Oh, sorry, no. Okay. Just, just I would to, love to. Jump add to that, I've been... I've sort of seen production in the in the background just say a little message just to say the knowledge base that you have and what you brought to this episode is just is it is amazing. And and to be honest, I was kinda like in my head I was like, Oh no, we have to finish now. Can we not have another <laughs> forty five, you know, we can just vibe, you know. But 
honestly, yeah, it's been, it's been an absolute treat. An absolute oh, treat for, thank for the AIs. You. I was, and I'm happy to, I was happy to participate. Not oh, so much. You were both. You were both awesome. And I think the questions you were asking made a load of sense. I was nervous coming in. So I like, I did have notes. And I'm like, I didn't even use the notes. I'm yeah. like, oh, I do know this stuff. <laughs> just like, do I know <laughs> this stuff? not our expert, Michaela. I wouldn't put yeah. that too much down to, you know, <laughs> we round you up and you just win. So that's all down to you. <laughs> yeah. That, that, works, that so, works in yeah. good and bad ways. So, yeah. yeah. But if you need anything, you can always just message me and, and let me know how I can help in any way. Okay. Brilliant. Um, well, yeah, thank, thanks again um, for joining us, Jill. Fantastic as always. Uh, production in the background, thank you so much for facilitating and, and making sure that we have, a, we have a good episode to share. I mean, we really do. Um, it's it's, it's going to... I'm very excited for when this one does come out. So um, to our listeners, thank you for listening. Um, if it is during Black History Month that you are listening, um, happy Black History Month. If it's not, I'm really happy that you spent the time to listen to this episode. There's a lot of information that you'll be able to go and take away and use with your peers, um, within your business, day to day, and go and speak to your business about some of the things that they have set up as well. I know Software One has a Harmony Day and Microsoft have, have different vices as well. Go and find out what support you have. So if you do want to become an ally or you want to do more for Black History Month or you just want to learn more about the culture, um, take that step. That's probably the one suggestion that I, I, I give to you today. Um, and of course, keep coming to listen to the podcast as well. So you can find us on all socials. Um, we, most of our content is coming through LinkedIn. We are now moving to Instagram very, very soon. Um, so you'll be seeing more um, content from us, which is very, very exciting. Um, you can also listen to us on YouTube, on Spotify, um, and on main, all the main media outlets. But until then, um, thank you for listening. And yeah, take care. Look forward to having you guys on the next one. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to hearing your thoughts. So please continue the dialogue on socials. To stay updated on when we release the next episode, follow us on LinkedIn and on Twitter at TC4RE. And don't forget to check our website at www.tcare.org for more information and content on today's topics.